Coming up, door knocking in gang territory, turning mobile homes into cash flowing notes, and becoming a world class copywriter, the king of drip campaigns. Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Vehicle one, you're clear to depart friendly lines. Roger, Vic one, Oscar Mike. Welcome back, everybody, to the Military Millionaire Podcast. If you're new here, we have a community that helps spread the good word of financial freedom and investing for service members and veterans so that you can enjoy the freedoms that you've worked so hard to defend. Now, today's guest is a pipeline welder turned real estate investor turned serial entrepreneur. Paul started in 2015 with no knowledge of businesses, sales, money, etc. Blue collar worker. He was a welder, construction crew, uh, natural gas pipeline, utility, all kinds of blue collar stuff. And after many late nights and not having enough money, he ventured into the rabbit hole of finding deals off market from direct mail and door knocking and gang infested neighborhoods and blowing lots of money without any results. He finally caught a break with Lonnie deals, which is flipping mobile homes into notes, which we'll get into in the show, selling the units on payments. Then Paul shifted into land flipping and eventually copywriting. And now he runs a, a system helping people uh, create craft drip campaigns for their follow-up systems as a real estate investor. Now he's achieved success in copywriting and even investor carrot. My good friend, Ryan Dossie, I've employed him as their client. Please give a long, hard welcome to Paul Ducampo. Paul Ducampo, welcome to the show. How are you, brother? I'm doing great, man. Happy to be on, dude. Yeah, this is fun. I, uh, we've kind of, I would say we've been around each other's circles for a little while. I don't know that we've interacted a ton directly but i'm excited about this yeah 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 via some texts some some slack messages back and forth but yeah yeah kind of mutually know each other i guess from, from other people. <laughs> slack the most personal of interactions <laughs> yeah. uh all right so we're gonna dig into this later i always like to just kind of run off with a kind of like down the road question first um i'm curious what the spark was that got you into copywriting sure um you know i was flipping I was flipping land at the time, flipping mobile homes as well. And, um, you know, I guess what, what got me into it, I, you know, it's kind of, uh, indirectly, but back in 2015, I started wholesaling and, uh, and I, and I was struggling, like meaning like it was my first entrepreneur. I come from a blue collar background and I was, uh, I was a welder pipeline welder. I ran a crew, uh, that, that was actually it was actually a decent job looking back. I mean, as far as the workload, it was good and it paid yeah. well, but I, but I was looking, my immediate goal was to get out and it was to get out because of not reasons of financial means. Cause it paid well. I mean, when you're a utility worker, you get paid pretty well, uh, but a means of just freedom, just working when I want, what I want, uh, having no cap on my income, you know, it's union. So you have kind of a cap and you, and uh, no matter how good of a job you do, the next guy who's a, a lazy uh, POS gets the same pay as you. So, um, so it, those are the kind of principles that stirred me out of it. Um, so, but get, getting into wholesaling, that's kind of like fell into it, fell into bigger pockets, all that, you know, that whole rabbit hole of, 
and I'm out door knocking. I'm out door knocking probate leads, uh, foreclosure leads. I'm sending lots of direct mail because uh, I, you know, I, I wasn't poor. I got, I'm, I'm getting paid six figures a year to be a welder. And yeah, so, it's a great gig. Yeah. And um, so I had money to spare for a marketing budget, but you know, you, that's a dangerous place to be in because when you don't know any better and you just kind of follow, Oh, you just send direct mail, just hire this call, this, this calling center and you get leads and you're like, you know, what the hell do I do now? And so, and, and you're, I remember um, kind of, I remember also like sitting in the parking lot of a Starbucks um, following up with these leads, these direct mail leads that I got, not really, you know, you have, you have no direction. It's just like, okay, well, I'm going to follow up with Jane here. She said she wasn't too sure, but you know what? I followed up with her two weeks ago. I'm going to hold off on that. I'm going to follow up with her in another week. And I kept, and anyway, long story short is, is, you know, I, I struggled getting deals under contract um, coming just because it's my, your first entrepreneur journey. You don't know anything about sales, anything about marketing. Um, but things turned when I started, um, when I transitioned from houses to, to mobile homes and that's a whole thing called Lonnie deals, um, where, uh, and, and in my market, very little people were doing it and full of, uh, mobile home parks. And so I, there was immediate gratification, immediate reward, because it was like, wow, these sellers are like. Like they're just giving you your property. It's like giving them the property. And then there's an exit strategy on top of that. There's a really good exit strategy, which is turning it into a note, into a cash flowing note. Uh, and then I did the same thing in land. So you, to answer your question of why I got into copywriting was because of my struggle where I realized like, I'm not good at marketing. Um, let me jump into what Carrot has to say, what different people have to say. Copywriting was mentioned, dove into that rabbit hole of it. Um, I'm, I'm kind of condensing the story to make it brief. So we're not rambling here, but, um, accidentally I kind of fell in not accidentally, but kind of fell in and became a copywriter for carrot because they're reaching out to their audience. And I was a carrot member. I said, why the hell not? I'll give it a try. Um, and just that, and then just gone in that rabbit hole and learning the whole world of copywriting and realizing, Oh, there's a whole, there's a whole world where you can just write and get paid to write or, or get paid well to write something small. And so, um, so I was in those two, both those two worlds of, of, of hustling for deals and then also doing these copywriting gigs as well, starting off small, but then I started getting a little bigger. I started writing for like land developers who were looking for, um, buyers, uh, via direct mail. Um, and so, uh, working for coaches, working, then started transitioning to coaches, software vendors in the, in the RA niche, applying that same concept to my land flipping business. Um, and so, yeah. And then, then I, there was a point in my, in my decision in my life where I had too many things going on and my goal was to, um, get out of W my W2 and I decided to just go full head on with, um, with copywriting because it was the, the fastest route I can just in one day to the next, I can have enough income, monthly income to support, you know, for my personal income. So that, that was the whole, that, that's a long story to your long answer to your question of why I got into copywriting. Well, no, it's, it, it is, it's, it's a story and it's, it's a good answer. I mean, if you've just been like, I heard someone say I should do it like, all right, cool. Well, that's, that's <laughs> right. a ton of context. Um, and copywriting is one of those 
it's up there with like media buying. And so for anyone who doesn't know, copywriting is just, you know, writing all the, well, it's not just, but there's, there's a lot to it, but it's the guys who, if you've ever been reading an ad or reading an email or reading a, uh, even a caption on social media, that's, that's selling something. Uh, it was probably written. If it's any good, it was probably written by a copywriter because most knuckleheads like me are like, buy my course. And that doesn't work. Um, so, you know, it's, it's like, it's the art of persuasion via rhetoric, right? So it's, it's a fun, fun gig. And it's something that, uh, it's one of those high paying skills that you can scale and do virtually and do, you know, unlike like welding is a great skill, but you got to show up and put a welder's mask on every day and you're kind of stuck, you know, working when and where and how and on what, whereas with copy, you know, the world's your oyster. And I think like running ads on social media is another one that's like a really valuable skill if you get good at it. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's different levels of it too. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm sure, um, I, I would imagine there's hardly anyone in your audience that is like, I want to be a copywriter because they're investing already. But, um, it, it's one of those things where, you know, you gotta, uh, it, you gotta take into account your end goal, your, your exit strategy, your end goals, and you have different layers of end goals, right? So it, my immediate end goal was to get rid of my W2 and, and this skill set was something I actually enjoyed and I was actually getting pretty good at it. And so you got to build your business, your, and, and based off of what your preferences are. Right. I mean, a nice thing about real estate is that there's so many different mechanisms for you to operate in it. Um, and if, so if you don't like rubbing elbows with people or, uh, or sellers, I should say, and that's an aspect I didn't, I don't like at all. I don't like chasing sellers. Um, well, there's a route for you somewhere in the real estate space to transition into something that you actually like doing. Um, you know, people, a lot of people like marketing. So they get into that part of the aspect of, of mailing, of list creation, of list, um, uh, list creation. So, uh, yeah, all kinds of uh, routes, routes you can take. I just took the copywriting route because I actually enjoy doing it. I really do. Um, it's kind of a, it fits my personality. That's something, you know, I'm, I'm big into knowing yourself, right? There's all kinds of stuff, all kinds of different, I'm not saying one is right over the other, but you know, the Colby method, um, I'm a big fan of, and I've, I've read this from Robert, Robert Kiyosaki in one of his books. I think it was like the smart, the rich, smart kid, rich dad or something. It was one written if you have kids and okay. at the end of it, there's a chapter about using your personality to figure out what you want to invest in. And for him, he, for Robert Kiyosaki himself, he's, I don't know if you're familiar with the, Col the whole Colby method score, but um, for, it's like a four, four level type of uh, score. But for him, uh, his personality, he's very extroverted and he's very, um, I, I shouldn't say extroverted. He's very, that's not Colby's, that's not Colby method. He's very into the external world. He's very into um, high risk type of sports. So he's a, he's a, in the military, he was, um, he was a, yeah, he's uh, a fire, uh, helicopter pilot. Yes, exactly. So he's kind of into a high risk, uh, high risk, uh, uh, personality. And then he also likes physical things. Uh, so, so he got, that's why he naturally went into the game board industry. So he's or selling game boards and real estate. He loves real estate, the physical, tangible aspect of it. Um, while somebody else might love stocks because it's the research of it, something that's digital, they don't, they don't give a crap about the whole, the whole physical, tangible things of it. I've heard a lot of us just say, I just, I love real estate because it's something tangible, something physical you have, you invest in. So anyway, um, 
uh, copywriting fit my personality and it was, and it was immediate gratification to, to move on to my next goal. So. Love it. All right. We're going we're to go back in time for a minute because you mentioned there, you don't really like the direct interaction with sellers. So how in the world did door knocking go for you and what got you into that? So uh, that is, was... Anyone who doesn't know or hasn't done it, that is the absolute like worst way you could ever sell anything. In my opinion, it is, I don't enjoy it at all. I've also never had any success from it, and I'm sure that's because I don't enjoy it at all. So I don't put the effort. In. Yeah, you don't you don't hear a lot about door knocking these days. And I, I think that you know I, I think it's got away gone away these days from the whole wholesaling circles because you can just blast text two thousand people and you don't have to interact with them. Um, but I think it's a great way, especially if you're if you're new to the business, to actually just just get in front of people. If you have no other means, if you have no other like if you have no money and you're just like, I want to start real estate. Well, um, if you want to start anything, you, you have to take into account, like what is the first thing that you need to do? And like real estate, for example, it's like, well, uh, if I want to start getting deals off market, I need to make lots and lots of offers. That's like the, that's like the first sale. And, and I, you know, I Omni drip is my is a business that where we, uh, create follow-up systems for investors. And uh, that's one of the things I talk about is like, what's the first sale you have to make? Well, I have to, I have to make a bunch of offers. Are you making uh, enough offers every single week? Oh, no. Why aren't you making enough offers? Well, you know, I don't have money for mailing. Well, you have, you can get a list of sellers and you can go and door knock their house then if you have no other means of, of reaching out to them. Um, so why did I get into door knocking? And I, it was just at the time, you know, I was, it was just all I knew, um, besides mail. And I, I remember going to a, um, I remember going to an event, a wholesaling event, and there was this guy befriended there. Is that the word? I, I, we became friends and, um, and, uh, and he was, he was a, a very, uh, extroverted person. And we got, got to know him. He said, Hey, let's go door knocking tomorrow. I'm like, uh, uh, I, I, was, I was like, I didn't know what to say. I'm like, okay. And I knew that like, I was, you know, I, the whole mindset mantra of things uh, and cliches of, Hey, if something, if something, if you have, if you're afraid of something, that's probably what you should do. And so I said, okay, let's do it. And then I got in, uh, started door knocking every single week with the dude. And, uh, it was just his natural skill set to be in front of people. And so I was, um, fortunate to have somebody on my side that was good at this already. Uh, we, I mean, we've, we've been chased down by, uh, this is a, this is a, a, an email story that I have and people, um, often in my email, uh, email list, I have this story in there that we actually got chased down by gang members in Pomona. Um, and so Pomona, California, it's a, it's like Pomona is, is about, 30 minutes from LA and it's where at some point in history where all the LA gangs are getting kicked out, they, they went, uh, East to Pomona and East of San Bernardino. So, uh, we went door knocking for foreclosures in Pomona and he drives a, he's a very, uh, extravagant person. This my, this partner of mine. So he drives, a, he drives a souped up BMW. And, um, at the time, so we're sitting there going over like our notes, going over our leads. And then all of a sudden, uh, a car pulls up next to us <clears throat> and waves gang signs at us. And we're like, what the hell? Okay. And then he's looking in his rear view mirror and then the car busts a U-turn and parks right behind us. <laughs> and we're like, 
oh shit, like what's, what's going on here? And, um, and then granted my, this partner, he's black and that had, I've, this is irrelevant. Well, this is relevant to the story because oh, I think it's, I mean, if, if, if everybody's that color, then it, it blends in. If you're in, if you're in, right. uh, you know, Italian mafia world, then it'd be not beneficial. So yeah, it's yes. So, and in Pomona's main, mainly, um, Latino gangs. And so, mm. okay. So you got that mix right there. So, uh, they, they stop and we see the door open. And so he takes off, <laughs> they chase, uh, they're, they're right behind us. So we're driving through these streets, these busy streets with these guys throwing gang signs at us through the window chasing us, like getting up to our bumper. Fortunately, like he, we got, I, I'm on the call. I'm on, I'm getting on the call with, uh, with PD, Pomona PD. Um, of course they're slow. I'm on hold for like five minutes. And so they're like, um, Oh, another gang incident. Yeah. But we, we finally, we, we get away. Yeah. It, it felt, it felt like an eternity, but it was probably like, like not even 10 minutes. So, um, yeah, I hope I don't scare anybody to not door knock, but that's, that's the reality. Of it. Maybe just pick your neighborhoods a little better. If, if you do it right, drive a beat up car, you know, don't, you know, um, don't, don't be so, uh, I don't know, like you're going to well, you do it in like Missouri. It's constitutional carry. You just carry a firearm and, and you yeah, just, right. you know, there's, exactly. those, there's, you know, I try to avoid going into gang neighborhoods, but luckily for me, there aren't really any around here. So, um, yeah. Jesus. All right. So. I see why you moved on from from that side of marketing. I don't blame you. So tell me, I want to know a little bit. I love creative financing stuff. So I'd love to hear just a little uh, overview on you, you mentioned uh, flipping mobile homes into notes. And that's very intriguing to me. I mean, I know like I know the the fundamentals of, you know, you buy a park and maybe you have some park owned homes and then you try to sell or finance them to the tenants so that you don't have park owned homes because the name of the game is basically lot rent and not having to do maintenance, but is, it sounds like you were doing this on an individual basis, not as a park owner. So I'm curious how that. Yeah. Worked. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, now that's gotten a lot more popular in my, I don't live in Southern California anymore. I live in North Idaho now. Oh, and nice. um, yeah. Yeah. That, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get on my W2 is because um, I was, kind of, I, I'm kind of in servitude to Southern California. I wanted to get a, out of California. And so, um, so, Mobile home deals. So there's this, uh, I, there's a ton of mobile home parks in that area and mobile homes tend to be, uh, the, the owners tend to be a lot more motivated than a, than a, a Southern California single family house owner. And so it's a lot easier to purchase those at, at, uh, 25, 30 cents on the dollar. Um, maybe a little higher, 40 cents on the dollar. If it's a, if it's a, a bigger park and you have different types of parks, you've got, You've got your um, corporate parks. There's a, those are nicer homes, and you got your kind of the run of the mill parks that probably have like um, twenty or less mobile homes. Some of them are trailers. Some of them are you know a little better. Um, but in either case, you can make money on either one of those. And uh, I would go in, and I was door knocking those too. So I wasn't done door knocking. But the, my my single uh, best. Um, Mark, uh, lead source was SEO because I, again, I, this is, this is at the point where there's a lot of stories being meshed here, but this is at the point where I'm learning copywriting. I'm also learning marketing. So I built an SEO web, website. Nobody in my area had one at the time that's yeah. targeting mobile homes. And so that was w one of my number one sources for leads. It was also, and, um, I was also getting in contact with the park manager. Cause that's probably, if you get into, if you can rub elbows with park managers who are 
uh, they're the eyes and ears of the park. So um, they can tell you exactly who's a seller, who's not a seller. And uh, so anyway, th that was, I would meet with the seller, make an offer, and um, I would usually buy it. My, my max buy-in cost for a mobile home was 50% uh, of the resale value of it. And, um, and that's all, in, that's all in cost. So that's, that, that's buying and it's rehab. Uh, and so it's, this is um, somewhat like what's called Lonnie deals. It's a little different though. Lonnie, uh, Lonnie Scruggs, by the way, that's, that's a book you can get if you ever, anyone's ever interested in this whole strategy. Um, it, Lonnie Scruggs uh, uh, deals on wheels. Um, it's, it's, on, it's on Amazon. And so you, you, you buy it with your cash and you're, you're buying it all out. There's these things aren't, these things don't have a loan on it. So it's, you don't have to, you typically don't have a loan on it. So you don't have to worry about, about that. And I'm buying it all just, you know, uh, free and clear from the owner. And then I'm putting it back on the market and doing any kind of fixing up that needs to be putting it back on the market for seller finance, finding an owner, because typically these things aren't, you're not going to find, it's really hard to find a loan on it, um, uh, to get a lender to loan on it. And, and so, um, you're either buying it all cash or you have to find the very few limited lenders that are out there and they usually have really strict uh, requirements and so you really minimize your pool of buyers but so instead i expanded my pool of buyers by offering financing myself and it would be something like uh typically maybe uh 10 down and the and and the rents were the the not the rents the the mortgage on it um plus the uh the lot rent was equal to the area's single family rents. I don't know if that makes any sense. So, yeah. so let's just give a real example. Like if the area rents for a, a three bedroom was two grand in that area for single family house, I'll, I want to make sure that I'm, but that the new buyer's total monthly cost is less than 2000. Okay. That includes his lot rent and that includes the mortgage to me. Um, I'm not in, I'm not responsible for the lot rent. That's they They understand that. I understand that. Park managers understand that. Um, so they have to pay that lot rent. <clears throat> now, if they don't pay the lot rent, um, typically you, park managers are supposed to notify you because you're a lien holder now. And yeah. so with, as a lien holder, you have certain rights and you can take a portion, you know, the, if it actually goes into auction, you, you know, they're going to pay you out on that and all that. I've never, I would say I've never gotten to that point where I actually got into uh, an auction sale. Things were always resolved beforehand. Uh, or they, they relinquished their note and I resold it. But um, that's kind of the gist of it. I mean, I, I try to keep, uh, keep it brief there, but um, basically, you know, you do the, people do this um, frequently with, with uh, there's a guy that used to, I don't know where he's at, Mitch Stevens. I think he used to teach this. He's like, he, his big thing is like, he's done like a thousand deals and he would buy single family. Um, he'd use, he'd use private money to buy it all cash. And then he'd resell it on seller financing. Um, and that might be a good, that might be a nice coming up with these new market trends. That might be something that's appealing to people because you, you can, you might be able to position yourself at a lower interest rate, maybe, um, or, or people have a hard time if, if there's, uh, if there's restrictions on, on lending these days. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I haven't been in the single family world for a while, so I'm not, I'm not too familiar on the lending restrictions today. Yeah. So, I mean, you've, You've dabbled in a lot of different strategies, right? Um, including land flipping, which you haven't. Land really is the same about. way. 
land is the same way. And I, and I liked land even better because I, I was going to ask if that was your favorite. <clears throat> that, that was my favorite. Um, as far as the amount of work that's required. So, and it, it was, it was so easy to get, to get a, uh, I don't know about today. Cause I haven't bought a land, a piece of uh, land in, in about two years now. And so, um, and I, and I actually just sold, I just, I, I just finished up my notes not too long ago. Hmm. And so <clears throat> that was to get a property under contract land, pro, uh, raw vacant land. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about infill lots that are in your city. I'm talking about land in the mountains somewhere in the desert somewhere um, to get that property tied up in contract for like 25 cents on the dollar. It was as simple as sa- sending out a thousand mailers and I'd have a signed contract in the mail, <laughs> like not just one, I, I, I'd have like three to five, maybe more signed contracts in the mail. Now, not all of them were like home runs, all of them were junk. It's like, dude, this, what, what the hell can I do with this land? Um, and so I had to pick and choose, but, but it was so easy to just acquire something. I don't have to talk, really talk to sellers anymore. I don't have to chase them down. Uh, the, uh, the, the flip side to that is that selling them is, is a, l- a little more difficult. Right now, now the the amount of effort that wholesalers have to acquire a single family house, that effort is now flipped in land. It's flipped to the the selling side of things. So now you're, you know, you're making your, your marketing, you're putting your listings up different places. You have land, you have, you have land listing places, you have land watch, you can do, um, you can do uh, pay-per-click type ads, Google ads, you can do Facebook ads. Uh, A lot of people are doing the free listings on Facebook that worked well. Um, and, uh, so you just, you're really hustling to get your listing out there, attract leads, talk to them and close them. So that was, that, that's the big caveat to that. You are chasing buyers instead of sellers. So there's the, the flip side of it. You're doing more effort on the buying side of things. You're, you're, you're doing land watch. You're doing different. There's a bunch of different listings for land. You can do Facebook free classified listings. Uh, and you're hustling a lot more for those buyers, like I like I mentioned earlier. So, <clears throat> same thing though with mobile homes is I'm buying it all cash. Typically, I'm aiming for 25 cents on the dollar. When I say 20, 25 cents on the dollar, I mean I'm asking if what can I get for this piece of property, this raw vacant land uh, today, based off. And it's 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 an art when it comes to to comping these things. Okay. These things are not clear, like, like uh, regular single family houses, it's all over the place. So you, it's really an art. You got to kind of figure it out and you got to pick something and go with it. So if the house is, if the, if the raw vacant land I can get for retail at 10 grand, um, I'm, I'm probably, I'm going to, I'm going to send a blind offer in the mail for $2,500 and I'll, I'll send them a check. I'll send them a cashier's check. Well, some people don't do cashier's checks. I do cashier's checks. Um, and so, uh, and I, and at the time I closed myself, I, I didn't use like title. I didn't use escrow, which is hindsight of things is stupid, stupid in the sense that it's a lot of work to do. Like it's not like you can scale it, right. You can hire somebody to do it, but it just use an escrow company for, for a couple hundred bucks. Um, and so, uh, yeah. And then I put it back on the market, resell it and big, and the biggest selling point is they can sell it on payments. And I typically ask for 50% to 100% of what I paid for it on my down payment. 
and then the and then pay and then monthly payments till it's paid off. So um, if, if it's like a retail value of ten grand, I might do eight grand, might lower down a little bit um, just to be more competitive on, on on the market depending on what's what's listed. And then I have a, a three to five year note, a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars depending on what they put down on it every single month. And I don't do on those. I don't do interest. I just do zero percent interest, so it's more appealing. Um, because if like realistically, if I add interest to something that low, I mean, what am I actually getting? I'm not getting that much. So it's like, just keep it at zero. I can raise the price if I want a little bit more, if I want that, if I want to be really greedy about it. Um, and, and just, and plus you get into, you get into issues with like, um, Dodd-Frank, you have to be real careful with Dodd-Frank. So, um, there's, there's things you have to do. You have to go through for mobile home, for mobile home, not, not necessarily land, but for mobile home, you gotta go through MLO, a mortgage loan originator to originate your loan. There's people that do it for you for a flat fee. They'll, they'll go ahead and, and all they're really doing is they're looking at the potential buyer saying, do they qualify for this loan for their seller, for your seller finance loan? So, um, so I'm not a lawyer, but get with somebody in a Dodd-Frank guy who knows attorney, figure out what you need to do to actually sell something on seller finance. So, And your audio is cutting out there, but something I was going to mention, Dave, um, is the, R R I the ROI on these things are amazing, especially the mobile homes too. So, you know, if you calculate out your ROI and if you use like a financial calculator to figure this all out, I mean, if you're looking at the, a lot of people go away from like the cheap, ugly trailers, but typically those have a, they have a pretty good large buyer pool, depending on your market. And, and then your ROI on that is amazing. Like you're talking about um, 60 to 100 uh, percent to even more per year ROI on your money, on your on your initial investment. Uh, land is even more. Land is even more because I'm trying to get as much of my investment back uh, as much and as fast as possible. So that ROI is even, even, even better for land. I love it. Yeah. And apparently it helps if I unmute myself before I start talking as far as my audio goes. But uh, yeah, I've, I've done one land deal kind of by accident and it's been great. Uh, I, I should have done more for the down payment, but I did. Uh, I bought it for 8,500. I sold it for 20 uh, with 5% interest and uh, with a three-year balloon. And, you know, I only took like 10% down, so I probably could have done more than that. But I mean, it's whatever we're... Uh, two two and a half years in so i should have a check for 17 coming in in about six months to finish it out so yeah pretty sweet it was accidental but i i mean i love the idea of just holding the note uh, i wouldn't i've looked at the idea of maybe selling some of my current rental properties that way and just not messing with them anymore so we'll see uh shifting gears more towards the modern paul um you heard my, I mean, I gave kind of my thoughts, my definition on copywriting, just out of curiosity in your own words. Uh, we already talked about how you got started. So what would you say is copywriting? Uh, there's, there's all kinds of levels. I mean, so it's kind of hard to, that's fair. It depends on, it depends on what you're doing. It's like different levels of real estate investing. Right. Um, and it's the same. So, you know, you can be an email copywriter, you can be, uh, e-commerce copywriter strictly for that. You can be a direct response copywriter who's writing these big packages, these big direct mail packages or VSL selling some new pill that makes your, your you know, makes your, your thing grow bigger. Massive <laughs> erection. 
Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I don't know. How, I don't know how polite I'm supposed to be on this. Oh, it's these. explicit. You say however, whatever. Yeah, I made a I made a TikTok video the other day where I was making fun of people getting boob jobs on the on, to raise capital, and I stuffed a cucumber in my sweatpants and was like, "I'm leading the charge for male cosmetic surgery." Okay, so perfect, perfect. So I was going to get canceled, and I had more women comment on that supportingly than I've had on any of my actual legitimate posts. So lesson learned. Yeah, wow. Well, Lesson learned if you're single. If you're single, go on TikTok, put a cucumber in your pants. You may get apparently, apparently, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, or you can just take this pill that some of these direct response uh, guaranteed. You're gonna have a cucumber in your pants, a real life cucumber. So, um, yeah. Oh, so perfect. Different kinds of levels of copy. Um, you know what I do for for in this industry in real estate investing is I shifted, you know, how can I help real estate investors with what my skill set? Uh, you know, I, I can, I can help with, with coaches, with their email marketing, which is mainly what I do. I do a lot of email marketing. I, I can help with their landing pages, things, selling whatever product they have to real estate investors, but how can I actually serve real estate investors? So I created, um, Omnidrip. <laughs> Please tell me that's the clock that was behind you that you thought was dead. Yeah, that's the clock. It it <laughs> it, it uh, came back to life apparently. Right for anyone oh, listening, <laughs> right before we recorded, he had this this old school clock, like a hundred year old. Yeah, there we go. That thing behind him, and he's like, "Man, I thought this was super cool, but it's dead. It's not even really that cool. I'm gonna take it off the bookshelf." So the fact that it just went off is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, something about your show or your beard brought it back to I life. It's bring- like- that's, that's how I work in real estate too. I bring dead deals back to life. I, I think you reminded him of his, you know, the clockmaker that originally, you know, <laughs> built him. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, copy. So, how can I serve real estate investors with my skill set? So, uh, I noticed one thing about what real estate investors are coming to me for, uh, other than SEO, which is something I do as well. But um, they they're coming to me to help them build drip sequences, follow up mm. systems things like that. Uh, so the guy's doing lots of volume, the wholesaler's doing lots of volume. So I was, I've, I've done this over the years um, for pe- people for carrot and people just kind of landing on my lap, not really me going after it. I didn't even know there's like a need for it yet. Uh, and then realize how much people ask about this stuff. Um, it, the thing is that what's the problem that's being solved is um, investors focus a ton of money and time into lead generation. Um, and rightfully so that that's your, that's your fuel for your business. Uh, but then a lot of them have like, poor, a lot of them have poor conversion rates on the back end, and they're, they're worried about all the hot leads, all the ones that are saying like their hair's on fire. Uh, they need to sell yesterday and they focus on that while the ones that either ghost or, or express to them, Hey, not now, m- maybe, but later, whatever, whatever situation is putting on the fence they tend to put them like in a really limp, you know, uh, speaking of, you know, uh, cucumbers, putting them in a limp uh, <laughs> sequence that the CRM gave them and it kind of gets lost in the weeds and they find out they sold to somebody else. They're not responding, et cetera. And, and then they don't know, like if they want to build their own, uh, this is where copy comes in. If they want to build their own messages, they don't know what to say besides, are you still interested in selling and some variation of it? So it's like, like imagine you as a seller and you constantly get this, you know, it's like, are you still interested in selling? Hey, are you still up for selling? Can I get, you know, it's the same mantra, every single text message. When there's in copy, copy 101, um, there's a whole ton of things you can say that aren't just that 
the, the question, the CTA, the call to action, I should say, is somewhat explicit or the call to action could be, be something else. And so um, that's one of the things that actually an old school investor taught me. I, I talk a lot about this and I think it was really impactful. I mean, it's impactful for a lot of people. So, if, you know, when I was struggling door knocking, being on seller appointments, getting no a lot, getting doors slammed on my face. There's an old school investor at the time that uh, he had me do an exercise uh, where he, I sit down and I write down a hundred different ways that I benefit a seller. Um, because we tend to be very narrowed in like, it's all about the offer, it's all about the price, but you know, there's, there's value exchange in our transaction somewhere. Uh, and so I, hadn't, I never got to hundred. I think I got to like 50 or something like that, but it did two things. One, it, it gave me, you know, give me obvious copy fodder. If I'm writing a SEO page, if I'm writing whatever messages or sales presentations, whatever it is that you're going to the door for. And it also give you confidence that it's like, it's something that you're actually, you're actually providing a service and value. And that's how I in capital, this is capitalism. And so it only works when you're providing value in some way. Um, so that, that was hugely beneficial to me. And I always look back to that and realize that, you know, there's a ton of things you can say besides, Hey, are you still interested in selling that message is self-serving by the way. And it's okay to ask that in, in my philosophy of follow-up. I do ask that every once in a while. It's makes it appropriate. You're, you need a direct question like, hey, like we haven't spoken in like three months. Are you still selling? Or did you sell your property so I can update my records? Uh, you know, there's, there's a direct question in my system. But in between, you have a lot more value message. I'm, I'm sending people back to, to the website, sending them an article. That if it's a if it's a landlord who's who's looking to sell, he has tenants in the house. I'm sending him a an article that shows him how to sell with tenants because hey, I want to be I want to I want to be the authority figure in here. I want to be the expert. Um, I'm sending them back my website so that I can retarget um, again later. Uh, I'm sending them to my Google reviews page for the social proof to show them I've got 10, 20 diff real actual sellers who who, um, who had good things to say about me. Um, I'm sending email, I'm sending SMS, I'm sending uh, direct mail as well. I'm, I'm a big believer in direct mail these days um, for follow-up, not just for lead generation, but to, I, I mean, I, I can attest to this, by the way, I can attest to follow-up being like a mechanism that actually works for following up because my lifestyle business today, my lifestyle today, I 100% attribute to act to mailing folks who I've already spoken to. Like, so, so, uh, clients that get on the phone, maybe they haven't heard from me for a while. I'll send them a book and it starts a conversation again. Uh, I will, um, you know, when I used to do podcasts, um, and, uh, I would, I would send somebody a, a thank you card in the mail. Um, and so these, these little, and that's part of my system, by the way, for, for, uh, investors is I actually have greeting cards where it makes sense for people who either, you know, they get on an appointment with you, um, they, they, they signed with somebody else, say they put a contract, they signed with a different investor. I send them a thank you card for at least a pre uh, uh, being grateful that we met, being appreciative that they gave us an opportunity to give them an offer. Uh, so I have multiple sequences for every single event that makes sense because if you just, here's the thing, um, here's a problem I solve. If, um, but if, if you have a generic drip for 
uh, somebody who ghosted you. And that happens quite a bit. And this is where this is where the magic happens when you have a ghosted lead. But if you have a generic trip for no contact or ghosted leads and you put them in there, the problem with that is you have leads that haven't gotten an offer. You have leads that are landlords. You have uh, leads that did get an offer or didn't get an appointment who said no to you, except you have all these different avenues. And so your call to action is very generic. While if I know, like if I have a drip for they haven't gotten an appointment yet and they haven't had an offer given yet and they're a landlord, bam, I have I can leverage I can leverage that problem that they have tenants in the house and I could leverage the right call to action, which which is the next sale. The next sale is, hey, let's get an appointment. Hey, get on my calendar link right here to get an appointment. Hey, reply back so we can so so you can at least see my cash offer, right? So um I can be very specific. So that's where copy comes in. I can be copy. Uh, one of the principles and strategies is being very specific about what what you want and um, uh, clear instructions on what to do next. Right. If you have every, if you just have everybody under the sun under one drip, you can't be clear. You, you know, you know, there's this. This is true for lead generation, too, by the way. Um, if you want to be if, if you're trying to buy a hotel and you're you know, you're familiar with this. Um, saying, um, saying, being direct about, about buying your hotel is more effective than just saying, I want to buy, buy your property or your commercial property. Um, being a little more direct with the language of what they're going to, what you're going to do. This has been split tested, by the way. And a lot of guys that do, um, PPL leads, they know this, they understand this. So they're very direct about the messaging. Yeah. Which makes perfect sense. Cause the moment I get a generic message, I'm like, stop. <laughs> Don't text me anymore. Right. Um, so it's got to be, yeah, it's got to be at least somewhat personal or on point. You know, like uh, the number of times I've had people text me about things and I'm like, that's not even what it is. You know, I don't own that or, yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah. So definitely agree there. Uh, and I assume this rolls into REI OmniDrip. So why don't you talk a little bit about what you're, what you're doing now? Sure. So I kind of explained the whole philosophy of what we, what I do right there. And that's, um, basically if, uh, if somebody needs drips built in their system, I've got a scaled way I do it. Um, in which we have about, I have about 20, I have about 24 sequences. Um, yeah. and uh, yeah, typically people who buy all of them, they just, they, they use it. They love all of them. They don't, they don't, they understand, they understand the reasons behind all of it and they use all of them. Um, or people can pick and choose the sequences they want. So if like, I just want a missed appointment sequence. I just want, um, um, deal, deal closed, um, sequence. So they, they can buy that as well. Um, but typically what, what happens is, um, they fill out a form because as a copywriter, I want to make sure the message matches their, their personality, their, their business. So if they are hundred percent, uh, over the phone appointment mm -hmm. type of guy or business, no face-to-face -face appointments. We make sure that the messages match that. Like, it's, so you're not saying, um, "Hey, I'm looking forward to meeting at your house." When it's Good like, point. yeah. So uh, if they buy with tenants in the house, right? <laughs> right. I so, had a great time at your house the other day. Right. Like, so what the fuck were you doing outside? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, and or you know, yeah. So anyway, there's all kinds of different ways that can can really convolute the message if you're not careful with it. So. You know, that, that is my attempt of making, making sure that one, we're not generic, one, we're direct and two, we're, um, 
we're matching message with business. And so uh, there's other questions, I mean, about website, about, yeah, we, we, we grab um, something we do is we go and we grab your testimonies and reviews, and which I think is huge. I think, I don't, I don't, I think investors really overlook this, but um, uh, social proof is huge. And so uh, we know, we know for a fact that, um, that when somebody gets a direct mail piece, and about buying their house, and they're actually interested in selling. Uh, majority of people are going to Google that per that brand's name, that person's name. Now, it wasn't the case back when I was sending mail. That wasn't as popular as today. Like that wasn't a thing back then. So people would do the yellow letters, you know, the hand, just like the uh, Joe Schmo down the street wants to buy your house. But today it's yeah. <laughs> But today it's a little different. People are a little more skeptical of that. And so um, what works really well is having that URL that that people can Google, can Google that name and find out who the hell this person is. And so I think if, if you're going to build a, a local brand that where you're going to be a volume business, you want to keep getting leads every single month, uh, I think it's important to build up that those reviews. Really important to build up the, those that those uh, white do case studies you can do i do case studies for my own personal business but um you can do the google reviews you can do the stuff on your website you can do video testimonials all you know all of the above do it all figure out a process in your and it's important to put it into a process of your business it's so it's not just because it, people aren't gonna just you know out of their heart give a review typically out of their heart typically the minority of people are going to do that and so you have to build a process that asks for that. What you ask it at the quote closing table, if you're doing that, you asking for that video testimony, can I get a quick shout out, you know, and, and, um, and having a way of helping them go through, cause a lot of people are kind of afraid to like, well, what I say? Um, so having a pro what to tell them to help them get through that video testimony. So it's a genuine and authentic, you know, you're looking for genuine, authentic, social proof and you can tell you can tell with like the canned testimonials right uh you see and so um you're looking for that stuff and then then i i hook up a um a drip sequence on the back end to help just squeeze as much juice as i can so that drip sequence after the deal is closed is asking asking for a google review if you have that or facebook whatever you, platform you use that that can collect these digital reviews you're asking for it multiple times until you get it. And then uh, asking for a referral. That's part of that sequence too. I mean, it, does, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt, right? And like, there's no effort in your part to click a couple buttons and now they're in a drip sequence that asks these things like three months down the road. If there's, if they, you know, as long as you're doing the seller right, you know, um, I mean, if you're, if you're a, a dirty investor and you screw sellers over, obviously that's gonna backfire in you. So, um, but, if uh you know three months down the road they're they're still happy they're moved on they have a new life and you ask hey do you know anybody else looking to sell they could have know somebody else looking to sell and it could be another easy lead added into your pipeline right so it doesn't, it doesn't it's like the it's the whole thing of like do you want fries with that it's a simple question to ask at the end um that can can bring up your bottom line at, at um, every year so as long as you have the lead flow for that deal flow i should say for that so um yeah that's my philosophy what we do is is i you know we have emails we have text message we have tasks to call i'm, I'm a big believer in tasks i don't if, if somebody wants ringless voicemail they have to kind of do it themselves um i don't recommend ringless voicemail um in uh, apart from like the legality of it on state for state um the other side of it is just you're you're really weakening your your follow-up sequence when you don't have to and, and because um 
if I send if I if I send out a task and I get that task to call lead and in that instructions it says and this is what we do by the way in those instructions it says hey call lead about whatever here's the voicemail script or the framework you can use so you know what to say so you're not stumbling stumbling trying to figure out what to say looking over the notes I give you exactly what to say in the task. And then if, so if they don't answer, you have that voicemail. So that's two touches. Um, that's a missed call notification touch. And that's a voicemail call, voicemail notification. Those are two touches. And most, if, if most people are like me, I don't look at my voicemail until like two months later. Right. So you don't want, you're really narrowing your, if you're only touching in that way, you're really narrowing your, the, the pool of people. And I, I'm a, it's all about touches. I'm trying to stack on touches because uh, I have case studies that show how many touches it actually takes to get a, a lead to respond or to, to close. Um, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about these hot leads that, you know, that, that close in two weeks with you. I'm talking about the ones that are on the fence still. Uh, I, I'm, I'm seeing over and over again, the number 70. I'm not saying that's, I'm not, you know, that's, that's what I've been seeing with the handful of clients that I've actually dived into their CRM and looked, but I'm seeing 70 touches. So one touch is, and it, and it's actually more it because certain CRMs don't account for, for these things, but I'm seeing a touch as a call, a call attempt, um, voicemail left, uh, SMS sent, direct mail sent and, um, email sent. So that is all in combination of, of touches, but there's also the other aspect is how many times they go back to your website. So that, so I, I push in the, in the drips because I push people to go back to the website in different ways. Um, so those are touches as well. I'm trying to stack on touches because I'm trying to create this brand where they under trust you, like you, all that stuff. So. Yeah, I think that's a really smart move. I, I really like the idea of pointing them towards articles that are beneficial to their situation, but also happen to be your website. So it's just further proof of concept proof of I'm, I'm working to kind of build something similar out with uh, like one member joined the Facebook group where it's like, what are you most interested in? Oh, the VA loan. Here's all of our VA loan resources. Like they're all articles that we've got that answer 95% of your questions without selling you on why I'm a lender, um, you know, or whatever. Um, so I think that's super so, cool. Yeah. That, and that's, that concept is, I'm, you know, I didn't invent that concept. It's nothing new. It's just, it's copywriting one-on-one. It's, it's making sure the message information is is targeted towards where they're at so um like the 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 guy that really like sells this is um uh ryan uh got his last name but uh the ask method this book is the ask method can't be last name is the tip of my tongue but ryan ryan levesque uh ask method where you you set up a funnel where it's based off of the the questions that they ask now i'm not saying this is why i set up for investors by the way don't get i don't want anybody Get, get confused, but the principles are still there where you, you know, you ask the question and it, and this whole funnel then leads them to maybe, maybe you have like five different sequences where they go into, depending on the results. I kind of do the same thing with what we set up with investors, but there's, it's not a funnel in place. It's just that there's a sequence for everything so that you, you can easily make a decision on where to put this seller. If the seller says, Hey, uh, your offer's too low, and that seller happens to be a landlord or or a vacant lead, um, a vacant house lead. There's a place you can just quickly set them into that, where now the messaging turns into that particular phase of their of their life, where 
They rejected your offer and they might be searching for other solutions. They might be searching for other offers. So I'm leveraging that scenario. Um, if they tell you that, hey, you know, I'm keeping the house or uh, they tell you that, um, uh, that, hey, selling, I'm not too sure I want to sell. It might be three, four, six months from now. Rather than, you know, I think there's a big mistake that investors do. They trust the seller's timeline and they build, they, they, they set manual tasks based on that timeline. When most of the time it's might, might be a false timeline. So, hey, I need to sell in six months from now. Um, well, you know, there's the scenarios there where a good percentage of them are going to sell sooner than that. So, and then you call six months from now, like, oh, I already sold it. You know? So uh, I don't want to trust them with that. So instead put them in a sequence that as you're part of your process, your system sends them value. So they're not annoyed by, Hey, are you still interested in selling over and over again? Instead, I'm sending marketing messages. I'm sending, like you said, articles, but I'm also set sending um, marketing messages that are more uh, valuable than the self-serving direct question. It's more like, like, Hey, I'm letting you know that we're, um, you know, if you didn't know, you can leave all your stuff behind when you sell, when you sell your property, you know, these little, features benefits um, that I talked about earlier. Now, all these little benefits, all these things that we do to benefit a seller because a seller, the reasons why they're selling, uh, the reason why they're even interested in, in a cash offer today is not just because of price, not just because of quickness, although that that's a feature in the business. It could be, you know, they're embarrassed to have that sign up in their yard. They've got, they, they've got a, a, a job coming up and they fear having two mortgages, um, having a rent or a mortgage, whatever it is. Um, they're, they're embarrassed of people going through their house because it's a giant mess, they're a hoarder and they're really, you know, and so all these little things that we do to help this, I mean, as professional buyers that we do to help a seller. So, um, all these things I'm, I'm putting in place, those are, those are no longer self-serving messages. They're actually giving value because you're actually telling them what you do, the benefit that, they, that, that you provide to them. So, um, that fits the, that fits the scenario again, like if it's a landlord, um, they don't give a shit about being embarrassed about um going you know putting a sign up um they're just dealing with the hassle of having a tenant in the house of, of, of having somebody can, that deals with that uh so yeah. yeah that's basically what i do in a nutshell i love it well uh and i feel like we're gonna have to we'll probably have to bring you back at some point and do go even further into all this stuff or, or maybe have you come run a course or a presentation for the mastermind but you know, we're coming up on that that time. Is there anything that we missed that we should have covered? I don't know. Uh, shit. Um, I don't know. It depends on what you want to hear, what your, you know, books, information, uh, journey. I mean, I, I've had a long journey of different, you know, no, nothing is ever a straight line. I mean, so, um, you know, today, I, what's my investing? And I'll, you know, I'll be, you know, I'll be, be transparent. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to people and say, I'm, I'm an operator today. I'm doing hundreds of deals a day or a hundred deals uh, a year. I'm not an operator. Uh, I'm a passive investor now. That's just the route that took me here. Um, I'm still in touch with the market, the seller market, I should say, because I, I write copy for, you know, for direct mail shops. Right. So um, I'm writing that copy. I'm still in the world of real estate. So I see what, what sellers are saying and doing. Um, and the only thing that changes from market to market is really, um, I'd say it's, it's the market trend. What's, what's going on that. So for example, um, two years ago, and I'll try to make this quick cause it's already the hour mark here. Two years ago, three years ago, um, cash offer, the, the word cash offer wasn't as 
sexy to people because you know, cash offers were just thrown everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. So using that isn't a strong center point in the copy. I we'd go with instead things like no realtor commission. Um, something, you know, so these little slight variations in what you're saying, what's the most, what is the most um, appealing factor in today's market? You know, what's the whole reason why, what's, what's going on in the market that, that gives them a reason to even contact you. So interest rates is a big one, right? Um, so if you can find some way to pivot that, because I don't like to, in copy, I don't like to just throw up all the benefits and features. Oh, we do this, 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 and that, that gets, glazed over instead i want to be very direct and capture the bigger audience and find the one thing because in marketing we have the benefit of having um multiple messages especially when you're doing digital it's inexpensive multiple messages like in in a huge amount of frequency so you don't have to cram everything you want to say into one message right especially and if you're doing a, a sequence of mailers you don't have to cram everything into one into one mailer you can pick one theme that's the strongest theme right now that in your market and choose that and go with it and have that be the center uh, center pivot in your in your in your message so anyway um if That's there's crazy. anything else we can uh yeah we can discuss another time we might have to just run it back yeah this is there's a, i mean there's so much to unpack in this world that's the yeah the real, um, and so many roads so many journeys you can take so um in so many ways, yeah. you can be an operator or investor. You're just a passive investor like yourself, Dave. Uh, I think you're doing that's more of your route today, right? Kind of dabble in a lot of stuff, but yeah, yeah, doing some more passive stuff for sure. I'm definitely not trying to operate my own deals. Um, yeah, yeah. Where can people get a hold of you if they'd like more information and/or to reach out regarding uh, some drip sequences? Yeah, they can um, go to reionmedrip.com. They can see my website right there in the video. They can go there. They can read a little bit more about it. They can opt in they, and they can reach out to me at paul at reiomnitrip.com. Beautiful. Paul, I really appreciate you coming to hang out. I'm glad we made this work as opposed to when I when we rescheduled and it didn't show up on my calendar and you, you popped in and I was like, oh, shoot, I'm in the middle of another one. Uh, so this is much better. <laughs> Gotta love it. I, people think I'm organized. I don't know why. In the back of my head, I thought that was going to happen again, but I'm going to pop into another interview right now. And my face is going to be there. It's publicity. It's free publicity. My face. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is definitely an interview out there where your face just pops up at the very end. I don't remember which interview that was, but um, that's that's funny. So I really appreciate you joining and hanging out, and I'll make sure to link to everything in the show notes, and I'll let you know when the episode comes out, brother. But thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, man. Appreciate it, Dave. Take care. Of course.